Do the podcast, shithead. <laughs> do the podcast, shithead. Wow, you're in a mood. Not really. Well, I'm in a mood a little bit. We got a lot to talk about, but we're going to start Lots off. to talk about. We got to start slow and ease into it like a gentleman. Yeah, that was real gentlemanly. Well, it's a gentleman. It's tis the season. It's the Christmas spirit. No, it wasn't. Like old, you know, Bill Murray and Scrooge. <laughs> That's you. That's me. Well, we just saw The Hobbit, which is my favorite book as a kid. One of my yeah. favorite books of all time. And I read I have it as to a kid. S- I have to say that I'm a little disappointed in the Battle of the Five Armies. Yeah, the conclusion of the trilogy, the second trilogy of, of Tolkien, of Peter Jackson's, is, yeah, sort of a whatever. As a movie, it's a bummer, let alone as, you know, the conclusion of an epic trilogy. It's a bummer. Yeah, and we should point out that we did see it in IMAX, and if you've ever... If you have never uh, seen an, a film in IMAX other than a nature or documentary, documentary, the planet Earth thing, right. you know, uh, Discovery Oceans. Channel, Oceans and Safari, those, those are cool. Those They're are a lot cool. Of fun. It, you really get the full picture. But this, and, right. What t- Say what you said when we first sat down. Why does it look like? What, what did I say? You said, why does it look like a BBC drama? Oh, I whispered that in here. Why does this look like a BBC special <laughs> yeah, of uh, a Tolkien? We're doing Tolkien it, it on the did. BBC. Yeah, it totally it, does. It, because it's not, you miss, you're missing that film look. And so you end up seeing it's shot on red, which is an incredible look. But sure. It, in, with the IMAX experience, on the one hand, I can see why people geek out on it because you do sort of feel like you've been brought into the scenery but on yeah. the other hand it it you don't have that film look so it looks that film filter where right. it really looks cinematic it looked sort of like you're watching the dailies of the movie it's weird or you're at their rehearsal yeah like the, that yeah you're watching you their do, dailies you feel like you're in the, and some people would love that because you feel like you're right there with them yeah but you're it didn't meld it's like i felt like when you're watching cgi you're watching cgi and then when you're watching the actors you're watching the actors and like the cohesion between the two just wasn't there like it normally is in movies nowadays most movies you know can get that and i feel like imax just pushes it so far over Mm -hmm. it's like that on televisions nowadays that when you have like super high def and it almost looks like a soap opera your favorite tv show almost like why does it why does walking dead look like a soap opera right now and it's like in your settings on the television right i feel like this is the more expensive sort of over priced version of that same effect well it's like this resolution like too good of resolution sort of like takes away from the feel of a film which sounds kind of funny because i i I mean i can i could hear a few vfx folks and i've had that argument with them where they would say no no you're really getting the whole cinematic picture because you're seeing the whole 3d it's more of a real look and a real feel but I, I, and them. I get that. Well, no, I mean, it is. But at the same time, like you said, you're missing sort of the filter. You're missing that cinematic, grainy kind of film look, which gives it a mood and, and sort of separates you from what you're seeing. Well, it looks like you're watching filmed theater, kind of. Yeah, it does. It looks like you're watching a filmed theater show. And I didn't realize that I had never seen a movie in IMAX that wasn't a documentary till this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, oh, I guess I haven't, because I would have remembered. Have, it's just sort of like, I don't know, it kind of pulled me out of... 
out of the, the experience and yeah. I had a sort of a lack of interest a little I didn't feel as invested in the movie and I really feel like because there's a big especially in the opening sequences these big sequences with smog and the burning and the yeah this important yeah and the town is sinking into the sea and you can really see where the CGI is and where like where the green screen is and where the actor yeah. is and like don't be wrong on their own, independently, they're both sort of good. Even yeah. though the, the the acting stuff still looks a little like, like I said, it doesn't look like a movie. But the CGI, you know, it's really clean and stuff. But it looks like they're okay. There's the CGI. There's the you know that's there's a green screen. There's the, the actors. Other, yeah. You know, and it was just weird, and it kind of pulled me out of what was already sort of a mediocre movie. Well, and and, and in fairness, you're not as into the source material as I am. I am a yeah, but I really like the second movie, Smaug. Smaug was of the Smaug. best of the three. Smaug. That was the best. And I want for those of you out there who were fans of the Tariel Keeley story. A lot of people who are purists of the books hated it because. She wasn't in the books. He doesn't exist. And they created this love story out of nothing. Yeah. I am a fan of the books, but I really like that love story. I liked what they did with it in Smog. They let you down in the third one because they don't really fulfill it in any way. Yeah. There's no real payoff There's no to that storyline. And, and they kind of dismiss it. Like it's sort of just sort of uh, brushed over until the end where he the, is killed. And then you're like, yeah, oh. Yeah, spoiler. I mean, if you've read the books, you know that it's he, super Thorin, not a and, yeah. and Feely all die. And so they stick to that. Which I think made sense that they did stick to that. And of course, yeah. I mean, he had to. That's the story, man. What but, you, you can't change the story that fucking much. And man. he does. And I, and as predicted, he dies trying to save her. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's, of course. And you know. she tries to save him. And, and they do have this moment. She, you know, after he's dead, she kisses him. And there's this necrophilic She has a little, <laughs> no, she had like a little stone that he gave that her. The, the one that his mother the gave stone him. And and he polished gives it stone to her. And she has it and then she sticks it in his butt. You no, know, his yeah, hand. No, his butt. His hand. It was in his butt. <laughs> no. That was as no, and that know, was a nice foretold moment. by the scriptures. But they, I don't know. I was, I felt unfulfilled. I felt ripped off from that storyline and and frankly if you're if they're gonna do it then i felt like they should put it in there some more and they what they did instead was they spent a lot of time with thorin having dragon sickness going mad going mad being gold crazy yeah which was uh, whatever. It was it's the too thing much. about that. It that movie is not a whole movie in its own, no. especially not a two and a half hour movie. No. So it's like, what do we do with the remainder of this story? Which is basically the, like, the third act. Yeah, like how can we make a whole movie out of one act of a book or right. the one sort of like you know third act and conclusion of a story, the end of the arc? And it, it, yeah, they didn't. It didn't go well because you're fucking. Look what you're you're working with. The end. Like Smaug dies in the very beginning. In the very beginning, because he kind of has to. Like, how long can you have that story drag out and then still tell the other story with right. the movie being three hours? It was still two and a half hours anyway. And I just wasn't, I don't know, I, just, I didn't really care. I think it was a mix of the viewing experience and then this, like, the, you know, the pacing of the story. And then Peter Jackson, like, if you saw Return of the King, which everybody did, it won Best Picture. Best Picture, right. But he does this whole, like, post-amble thing yeah. where it's like you really, ha- like, he shoves it down your throat. 20 minutes of it. Or, like, up your butt, however you want to look at it, because you're just forced to just, like, sort of look at Frodo longingly as he stares into Sam's eyes. <laughs> and it's just, like, back and back to sit back. And he does these, like, close-ups of faces and just holds it. And it's holding. And then it's With back the to him. With glow look. 
back to and then that back, kind of glowy and look. And then it's on it's on Bilbo, and then it's on Gandalf, and they're like sort of half smiling, like looking fondly, like what an experience we've shared. Yeah, you know, you can tell. I feel like Peter Jackson, like just doesn't want to end these movies. No, clearly not. So in that in that end conclusion of of the Return of the King and now this Five Armies, it's just you really feel like he's like yeah, you don't want to like dude, it's done. Just yeah. let us go home. I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I know what happens. Like once you know what happened, like like you said, you're basically paying for like a pay-per-view fight of this battle. Like you're going to see the Battle of the Five Armies. Mm-hmm. So everything before and after you don't really need to drag it out so much. It's just, oh, it, is, it just becomes well, boring. And if they were going to drag it out, like I said, I wish that they would have put more of that love story or something else in there because they, the whole Thorn going mad thing was really boring. And they remember the scene when the Lady Gadrielle, played by Kate Blanchett, comes to Gandalf's rescue. Yeah. That whole sequence was super kind of cartoony. Yeah, it was. It, Again, it might have been the IMAX, but it really looked because the they're CGI fighting these ghosts. It weird. Yeah. And, uh, Hugo Weaving was there, and then Christopher and Lee is there. And it was a little there, silly when he comes out with the sword. It's almost like I wanted to laugh a little bit. It's sort you of know? cartoony. Yeah, it's kind of like hokey. I mean, liberties are taken. You know, it's, you know, Peter Jackson wrote the screenplay with Guillermo del Toro and two other people. I don't remember their names. I didn't recognize Philippa. their names. I forget her last name. But she did like the Comic-Con panels. And she really, she knows her stuff. She's been on Colbert and she's done the yeah. whole. She's the one who he did the Hobbit, the, the Tolkien off with. Oh, yeah. And uh, so she knows her stuff. I'm and sure she, she does. And I think, you know, largely she's done, you they've must. done a good job with these screenplays. It's just, there is in all of them a hokey element. Yeah, it's a super like this is a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, and the fighting is you you know. Well, like you said, this sort of like longing, staring. It's like it's like longing, fondly longing look into each other's eyes and just twenty minutes back and then back to Bilbo. Okay, now back to Gandalf. Get back to Bilbo. Now, how's Bilbo feeling? Oh, he's still like looking inside. So <laughs> oh, he's cleaning out his pipe. Oh, no, it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that was like, a fuck. little funny. That was a little funny. Yeah, there's hokey elements. There They're always hokey. is. They put in these sort of like little cornball moments and stuff with the orcs, and the orc like trips and like yeah. hurts himself. Whoa. And like, oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I guess it's funny. Well, I would still give it justice, but I'd give uh, it like low justice. Like what? Get what would your number uh, be? I don't know, like a six, like a six and a half. I'd probably give it a seven, but I'm more of a fan of the story. Uh, yeah, like Greenland. But it's, I think a seven is as far as I would go. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't go above a seven, man. No way. The first, I'd give Smaug like an eight. I'd give Smaug an eight and a half. Hey, Smaug. Or I would give it an eight and a half. I really like Smaug. That was the best one. That was the best one of the three, I think. The third one's always the weakest, you know? I I mean, at least in these two Although Return of the King is the one that won Best Picture. Yeah, well, it's one of those things. I probably had to give it to a different movie the year before, the two, three years before that. Yeah, that happened to be the one that they could give it to. They could give it to. I know, you're right. It is all about time. It always happens. Yeah, and it's, you know, and it's the conclusion of the series, so like we'll give it to this one, I guess. It's not the best movie in the th- in the three of, out of the three, in a way. No, no way. No way. Oh, uh, I just you lost me. Like you held me here for so long, 
You know, it's like less is more. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time with stand-up shows when they go on too long. People were really enjoying themselves <laughs> half an hour ago. <laughs> they were having a great time. Going. And now they're just like waiting to leave. Like the first break in the, you know, the silence yeah. in, in the act. It's like, okay, let's go quick, 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 yeah, quick, quick before they see us. Yeah, that's a good analogy. That's it, it happens how you feel all the time. These. Yeah, it happens. And you're just like waiting. Okay, okay. Is this the last scene? Is he going to, you know, is he going to flip through the book again? Or, right. you know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, and then, oh, and now it's old Bilbo. Like, what's he going to do? Bilbo. Is he going to, like, meet up with Frodo? And they're going to go get <laughs> yeah, coffee. Yeah, I wondered that. Yeah. Gonna go get coffee. <laughs> and they're going to, like, talk about it again. You know, it's just like, fuck. Well, let's talk about a film that we saw that we really loved, and that is The Imitation Game. Yeah, that was a good film. It was a great film from beginning to end, and it's a true story, and it's an epic story, and it's a war movie, and it's an espionage movie. and It's, it's a thriller. It's, it's a fucking beautiful mind meets freaking Save It Private Riot, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Kind of, sort of. You know, it's, it's, it's cool, man. Benedict Cumberbatch plays Alan Turing, who is... Um, the man largely attributed with cracking the Germans Enigma code during World War II. Well, he's like the soul. He's like the, he was, he was the face. Yeah, he was the man with the plan. He's the man with the plan. He's, and he also was a homosexual and he was prosecuted for being a homosexual because it was illegal in in England England at the time. Many countries, I'm sure. And ended up killing himself. In real, yeah. In he was real forced life. into hormone therapy. Yep. Instead and of it, jail time, it's a very he chose. sad, it was one tragic of the, story. Yeah, nobody knew about what he did because it was confidential. He's working with like essentially, you know, the MI6 that we always laugh about, uh, you know, from the James Bond movies. Right. But literally, it was completely That's who confidential. He was with. Yeah. They had to burn all the papers. They could never Couldn't show get the credit. And the machine he built, he built this hundred thousand dollar pound machine that he calls Christopher. It's called Christopher, which is known as a Turing machine, which is is basically a computer. It was yeah, it set the ground of, he, for... Yeah, he invented Google computers. Google still uses algorithms. I mean... It, yeah, it, he invented the computer, Basically, man. yeah. And he was a super sassy gay man. Super yeah. quick-witted, sharp-tongued, closeted gay man who went to Cambridge. Asperger's. little Aspergy and like hard to get along with. And he just, he wants results. You know, he's one of those scientist kind of guys. Well, he's eccentric. He's and... eccentric. He's looking for like results. You know, he doesn't care. He's not there for niceties and common graces. It's like, well, are you as good as me? No, you're not. So you probably shouldn't be here. Right. You know what I mean? I need to work with people that are at my level or you probably should just leave and get out of our way. And a lot of people like that in sciences and math true, and music true. and, you know, uh, audio engineering and shit it's like we're working at a pace here yep if you can't keep up with this this pace then you just should not be here you know if it's been your best interest really you should just get the fuck out of here you know cumberbatch was phenomenal and there's a great supporting cast many of whom you will recognize from around the bbc club of shows right now it's like great british actors yeah the whole cast. tom from downton abbey's in it yeah charles um, dance charles dance aka tywin lannister, tywin lannister. That was a great part. Uh, Kira Knightley. Kira Knightley showed up. She did a good job. There's a couple people who are on. If anyone sees Mr. Selfridge, Mr. Selfridge, the actor that you'd always he always plays a bad guy. He's bald with sort of sharp features and and he's in the Jaguar commercial. Yeah, he's in those ja- the Jaguar. I can't remember his name. I should know. We should know his name. Yeah, but uh, they all do a good job. And yeah. the script is really the fucking good. Is so man. good, especially written by an American, which we found out a after watching the American. movie. <laughs> a yeah. very young American, like the song David Bowie sings. Yeah. <laughs> the young American. Yeah, he uh 
We so we had a very panel surprising. discussion after the after film. the film. There was a panel discussion with three of the producers and the screenwriter. And we should mention it's nominated for Best Picture, Best Screenwriter, and Best Actor in the Golden Globe, and Best Actress, and Best Actress, and I think a couple others. As a well. couple that. So like it's already got buzz. It's, I think it's nominated for five different Golden Globes. Well, and it went from complete obscurity to all like instant like critical acclaim and accolades and credit like this is a for real movie with a for real story and it's a biopic and he's gay like there's so many things going for this movie and he's a genius he's a gay genius like that's an oscar you're playing a gay genius (laughs) (laughs) who kills himself a gay genius that kills himself you think he's gonna beat out uh keaton i Um, I think it's a toss-up I don't know. I feel like they're not going to give it to the guy that's trying to kill himself the whole movie. They're going to give it to the gay genius that kills himself at the end. Maybe. I mean, there's, I mean, well, and this is a good segue into award season, which we sort of have a love-hate relationship with, you know? I think anyone who sort of has their wits about them should have a little love-hate relationship with the way the awards, uh, you know, are sort of run and placed and, you know, distributed. Well, and I, I, obviously our biggest gripe is that Walking Dead never gets nominated for anything, and it should, and it's ridiculous that it that it doesn't. And Game of Thrones has gotten some nominations, but you know, frankly, the cast members that really should get nominations don't. They, and they constantly don't. Yeah, they constantly don't. Habitually do not. It just seems personal. It's, it seems like well, you're really having to turn a blind eye to something that's to the like genre. I think it's. It. I think it's a, a prejudice against the genre because Walking for Dead, Walking Dead horror, yeah, for sure. And although American Horror Story, Freak Show, and all the others, I mean that yeah, has could... won a lot of awards. Well, yeah, but there's like music in it, and it's sort of, it's sort of campy. It's you know, it's, it's there's it's really still horror. It's pretty it's hard horror, horror. It's horror, but it's there's some real campy elements to that. Versus something like Walking Dead or Game of Thrones, where there's no sort of winking at the camera at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, but I still I feel that Andrew Lincoln, at the very least, should be nominated for Walking Dead. Well, yeah, it's funny because this year finally Walking Dead's getting sort of like the circuit the acclaim, circuit the the, the sort of mainstream TV. mainstream acclaim, where it's like it's been the most popular show for like a couple of years at least now, as most popular, right. and it's been a hit f- for from several, the beginning, yeah, from, from the, the beginning. beginning. It's been this fucking runaway hit. Yeah. And, you know, so now all the fucking talking heads on TV are like, me and my husband love we watching love the it. show. We stay up all night <laughs> and we fucking stream, you know, binge watch it on Netflix. Like, we started last month, you know? Like, yeah, it's like, shut up. Shut up, stupid. Yeah, you're not. Stupid a jerk. Fan. No. You but, just know you have to watch it now. So the award season kicked off with. First, the SAG Award nominations, and then last week were the Golden Globe nominations. Uh, as far as Best Drama Motion Picture, Fox Capture, The Imitation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, and Boyhood, which I loved. I thought Boyhood was wonderful. And I think it could actually potentially win. It it's, could win some stuff. Uh, it yeah. really should win some things. Um, best musical or comedy motion picture because the Golden Globes split it into two categories for best picture. St. Vincent, Birdman, The Grand Budapest Hotel, Into the Woods, and Pride. Um, I love The Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, it'd be cool if that won. And that movie is fucking great. As well as Birdman. I mean... Oh, in- Birdman, yeah. Birdman's very good. Into the Woods is getting a lot of buzz. We have not seen it yet. I don't know how you feel about seeing it. I kind of would like to see it. I mean, I saw it. 
in as a play. I, my mom did the play in Saudi Arabia. She did, did Into she the really? Woods. She played the wolf, too. Wow. And they made the mask. And, uh, yeah, so I've seen Into the Woods. I mean, I was a very young child. But, it, but you that, know the songs. And, you know the story. Well, sort of. I, so, yeah, you know. but And it's been around for a while, you yes. know, that story. And I just remember my mom playing the wolf in that fucking play. And now that now this is this major motion picture, and of course they have Johnny Schleppy Depp <laughs> schlepping around. I know. All these different goofy characters. Every time I see him now, I'm like, is he going to be like some goof in another Tim Burton film? Some mookie guy with stupid makeup. And uh, yeah, I don't Although know. Although Tim Burton's got a new film out called Big Eyes, which is, is it, and there's a couple nominations for Amy Adams and. Uh, our uh, Mr. Academy Award from uh, uh, Inglorious Bastards and Django. Um, oh, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz, yeah. He, it's, a, it's an interesting story about a painter whose husband takes credit for her work. And I think it takes place in the 50s. Oh, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, and it's, it's getting a lot of buzz for Tim Burton. Because the last few films he's done, I've sort of thought were... Well, it's Stupid. been like phoning it in movies, man. It used bit, to be pretty like creative and cool. And yeah, that was dumb. And that's all these old TVs, all these like like tested or tried premises. And just like, you know, why are you recycling material and like good material? Good material. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was already good. It's yeah, not like I you're know. taking some obscure story. That movie, the original, is one of my favorite movies of all it's time. It's a perfect movie. It's almost perfect. It is. And they did this. So, and they did the book justice. So much yes, justice. They did. And I feel like this movie, it, they did didn't do anything anybody any justice. It just seemed like a really cheap sort of, you know, what can we remake? <laughs> you know, it's like if really like people will take like it's like remaking Spaceballs. Are you gonna remake oh, a spoof? Can you imagine if they did? Why that? would you do that? It's already a spoof. Yeah, you know what I mean. You're you're gonna remake a spoof? a spoof. You're gonna make a Spaceballs like prequel to Spaceballs? Or you know well, what I mean? Walk is not a spoof. No, it's not a spoof. But I'm saying it's almost as absurd. It's because it's already a good movie. Yeah, it's already like Spaceballs, is, and you might as well just be remaking a spoof. But that's the name of the game: is they find something that worked, and they they they're out of ideas. They're out of the ideas and they're so scared to take a chance. Yeah. That's why this year has been so cool because of movies like Birdman and Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler and now Imitation Game. After once you hear the story of how that movie got made, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Like, you know, it was basically these out of work TV producers who got the rights to the Alan Turing biography yep. and they had no means to do anything with it. They just knew that this is a really good story that needs to be told. And they were right. And like they found the screenwriter at a party who had written on the show or something and he just happened to know who Alan Turing was and didn't just know but like was a sort of a fan idolized him yeah. idolized because he went he was I guess he said he was a big computer nerd went to space camp went to space camp yeah. went to computer programming camp right. uh, you know so he had, he had known about him and they were like the fact that he just knew about him was enough for us to like sort of take him in and like do it they wrote four drafts yeah and i think it wasn't until they found that other producer who was there that the ball actually got sort of rolling yeah the other producer it seemed to I don't have remember his the name. money he and... had money and he had other credits he didn't blacklist he had some like you know pretty legit credits right and they went and shot in england they got a norwegian director who was yeah, also who sort of just done an indie horror film yeah called headhunters it. which i haven't seen but now i want to see yeah, it like to just see it to see too. what it's about and you know it's pretty miraculous because so many things can go wrong with when when you're looking at an independent movie like yeah. that from beginning to end any little thing can derail the whole fucking show man. yeah and they said they had like been like nice rehearsal time i know and, everything went right for them well and they were approached benedict cumberbatch approached them to 
audition or you know be screened be in it, yeah and so did Kira Knightley it's you know it's, and I'm sure whoever 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 was doing the production and casting there clearly had an id to like the yep. English casting front yeah because everybody it's like a who's who of famous British character actors successful in this film. working British yeah. actors that They'll are in British television pretty much everyone yeah yeah and even if you don't recognize them they're probably successful in England yeah you know as actors so, you know, here, once you hear that, you're like, well, I'm glad that this is getting traction. And Benedict Cumberbatch, he fucking delivers. He's so His delivers. performance is, it's key to that movie. It, His being cast with, as hot key. as he, he made, is now. It made the film, yeah. Yeah, it totally made the film. And his interest, it's cool that he was showed, expressed interest in like, oh, they're doing that? In I want to read the script. I want to see, you know, what is, what is all this about? And then sign on and do it. And probably for, a, you know, a pittance of yeah, what he normally sure receives. Which is cool. But English actors, I feel like, are more willing to do that if they like the, you know. They're actors. They're actors they're first. All, yeah, they're actors first. They'll do a, a movie. They'll do, a, like, a British TV show when they're already, like, killing it in America. Ray you know? Fiennes is, is still did. Like, a lot of them show up on British TV shows. And largely because now with Netflix, so many of these British BBC shows we can see now. Like, Black Mirror... There's yeah. a lot of them, you know, Midsummer or Ripper Street, the, Ripper, yeah, Street. Ripper Street, and there's a lot of guys like from Game of Thrones, and you'll see, oh, you that's so and so, oh, that's yeah. Bron or uh, Bran from, or not Bran, Bron from uh, Game of Thrones. Oh, and, he's in Ripper Street. Oh my Street. God, he's and, in that. The, yeah, and, and it's constant because I I follow on Netflix Midsummer Murders, which is essentially the UK's Law and Order. It's been on for something like 20 years. It's these. It's it's a two detectives, you know, following these murders in the Midsummer region, and Everyone, I mean, I just saw Henry Cavill, aka Superman, on an yeah, episode. There's yeah. literally every British actor you has can gone name through there. has gone yeah. through there, and that's kind of like Law and Order. They do those like yeah, montages. Every New York actor yeah, has gone has through there, done an episode, yeah. even if they were just a corpse in one episode. Right, you know what right. I mean? They've been on the Law and Order one point or another, man. Yeah. You know, I like those institutions that exist in television and film. Like how, like Miami Vice. If you go back to Miami Vice, there's like like the Wesley Don Snipes. Johnson yeah, yeah. Like days. there's all of these actors that were that became huge. Like Woody Harrelson did episodes oh, of Miami yeah. Vice and Wesley Snipes did episodes of Miami Vice and yeah. like I mean it's kind of obscure now, but it was such a popular I show loved then. It when I was a teenager. And, it yeah, was if one you of my look favorite shows. At some of your favorite actors characters that are, you know, of forty and above or forty five and mm-hmm. above they probably did an episode of of, of Miami, Miami Vice. Vice as like a young actor yeah. you know there's a bunch of shows like that it's pretty I like it I love it it's the coolest thing to me yeah. you gotta start somewhere and it's always like a fu- it's like a fun credit to have you know yeah it's a ridiculous show that everybody loved it wasn't ridiculous at the time I'm no. telling because the unofficial theme song was In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins sure yeah and so that was like the song that everyone played at parties and everybody knew what it meant that it was for Miami Vice and just now when you look at it and you see the outfits with the white the neon and the, and the, the neon no shirts, socks yeah. and the white suits and it the, looks kind of ridiculous the fonts the fonts, the fonts. Yeah. oh yeah you're right the fonts those and, signature fonts but the but at the time and the speedboat so, chases yeah it was a runaway hit. That was also a runaway it was hit. So, but it was also very stylized. I'm trying to think of a, a show that maybe mirrors it from a stylistic perspective today. You where know? it's such a signature style. I mean, Mad yeah. Men has a very Mad signature Men. style. Yeah, that's a good example. Where it's like you just know. Although it's a period piece. But, right. But 
Uh, and Miami it, Vice was totally like, this is what the 80s looks like. This is the 80s. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was a quintessential like 80s Miami look. Yeah. Which is f- really fucking cool. <laughs> you love <laughs> Even it. now. Yeah. Neon. <laughs> I love how you could be a cop and wear neon, neon in the 80s as a detective. Loafers with no socks. No socks and like those high sitting l- pant leg, pant leg, like freaking, Oh yeah, uh, those are ridiculous. Like sort of higher, le- shorter leg on your pant. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> you want to dress like, like that. a sport coat with a neon pink shirt. <laughs> yeah. And uh, aviators and, you know. Oh, the, yeah. The aviators, of course. And you got a shoulder holster with a freaking chrome, whatever, nine millimeter. <laughs> Why is your gun chrome, officer? Because it's flashy. <laughs> yeah. Gotta be flashy to be a detective. Well, so there's another thing we wanted to talk about, and it's this whole Sony thing, um, especially because they just announced that they're going to scrap the theatrical release. It. They're pulling it. It's done. It's out of theaters. The interview I, with Seth Rogen and James Myers, Adam Myers. James Myers? Seth Myers. <laughs> Same, Sam Shepard. <laughs> Franco and Rogen. James Francophone. I am horrified that Sony did this. Like for they really did it. It's, you really did this. Now people talk about it, and you know, but to really do it. Well, because the theater chain owners, I mean, basically push it out. The theater chain owners said that they weren't going to show it because of threats. Now, first threats. of all, the U.S. government has said that these threats are not credible. Yeah. We don't know. Everyone's talking about, oh, it's North Korea. We don't know that yeah, for sure. How do we that know hasn't that? been confirmed that it's North Korea. I mean, it could very well. I, I've spoken to a few people who are Sony employees who have said they think it's ex-Sony internal. employees yeah, internal. because they've done a ton of layoffs recently. Mm-hmm. They, In fact, they got rid of their entire animation in Hollywood division and moved it to Vancouver outsourced. and outsourced it to India and Vancouver. Wah, wah. There's a lot of disgruntled Sony employees. So don't discount that it could be someone internal. Um, I, I think that's more likely. I think it's more likely, but let's just. It's say always it like is who North killed Korea. the girlfriend. It's the boyfriend. It's the boyfriend. You know right. what I mean? That's you know. It's who generally the wife. It's the husband. It's the husband. But let's say it is North Korea. So we're gonna just like throw not put a movie we're out ever anytime. Movie. We're gonna censor everything we do now because some country or some dictator doesn't like it. Ooh. Or I mean, it's, it's a slippery ridiculous. slope too. It's a super slippery slope. You're opening a door that has never really been opened before no. with media, especially when being dictated by a yeah a dictator in a yes. different in a country yes. that if is so sheltered. Is. I mean, the irony, yeah, which I find very hard to believe. Yeah, like they have such little access there. South Park didn't let that stop them when Team America came out. They did. They totally made fun yeah. of his father. Yeah. And, and everyone in Hollywood, but the, but yeah, his father was front and center, and Kim maybe Jung. because it was like puppets. I don't know. Like, like they're good. Make, they make fun of them so all bad. All the time. And Kim Jong Il. It's the funniest thing. And Kim Jong Il was, He's I feel, guy. more of a threat than his fat, stupid son. I know. He's like, I eat cake. You know, is, <laughs> is this cake? No, he no, disappeared sir. Disappeared for a couple months. Remember, and never nobody knew where he was. And he broke his ankles or something. Yeah, yeah I don't know. It's very strange that they did that. And you know, uh, I feel like this is cowardly. I think it's cowardly. It's uh. uh it's uh, it's just a bad look for the world, for you know that movie and the the well, the first thing that it was that Franco and Rogan canceled all their press dates, right? So, Which I also 
I don't know how I've, I mean, the whole thing just blew up so quickly when they, the first, the press jumped on the emails and the whole, that yeah, became the topic, the, the emails, emails, which, and, and the, the subject of the emails became the topic. What yeah. Scott Rudin and Amy Pascal, Pascal said, I feel like the subject really should have been like that we shouldn't, the hacking situation, how serious this is that we can hack into a, yeah, like why a, is nobody drawing attention to that? Why are we talking about their like petty yeah, executive emailing? Everybody knows that executives in Hollywood are assholes. They're kind of shitty. They they're shitty at the top. They have email. They're gonna. They're not gonna be like, oh, I better not write that because yeah. oh, so like the world might see it. Well, Fucking no. no, they're not thinking yeah. that way at all. And nor should they. No, it's they not should, our they business. They should feel that their their emails are private. But the fact is, they're not anymore. Like nobody's Nothing's stuff private. is private anymore. Nothing's private. But I do find it was interesting because Aaron Sorkin, the who was you know the whole subject was about the Steve Jobs movie, which she has penned. The writer um, Aaron Sorkin, uh, and he has been very outspoken talking about how he feels like the media is should be ashamed of themselves for doing the content of this, and they should be more policing of of the fact that there's this is a serious crime. Which is true. I always find it interesting when the media talks about the media not needing to do the media stuff. You know, then, yeah. you, then you hear like all the media people saying there's criticism about the media. Well, who's the media? Aren't yeah. you the media? Like, You're is someone going to take responsibility for being the media? Or are you just all going to yeah. like say people don't like that the media do this and now the media is doing that? And well, it's like when a, a media person has a kid and then you have to hear about their like childhood story oh God. like i didn't want to hear you reporting on kim kardashian's kid now i gotta hear about your fucking your kid, kid yeah all the fucking <laughs> pictures and shit and the christening <laughs> and like oh i know you're here to Are tell you the news about savannah guthrie's baby about anybody or whoever the fuck like is perpetrating anybody this. like the news people they should just yeah. be reporting news their kid's birthday like yeah. let's cut to well, like where selfies of your kid's today. birthday like that's news. <laughs> selfies of your kids it's ridiculous and give you a reality show don't you tell the news why do you have a reality show <laughs> about telling news that's it's, it's ridiculous it is kind of some like that i mean it's yeah they become their celebrities in their own right and they do like lower talk shows than their show that yeah. they're on like i'll go on this other talk right. show as as like it, as, inter- as interviewee as a celebrity as a yeah. celebrity like we have so-and-so yeah they'll go on they'll go on seth myers they'll go on fallon or yeah even like other like sort of whatever third-party network stuff too and like cable stuff yeah like, we have true. so-and-so who's national whatever I mean, we got him on our cable show yeah, i don't know it just seems i don't know it's, it's this weird shift paradigm shift in the media where everything's media and the media is talking, the about, the talking media. about the media i know well so as far as the sony sony situation goes i i, I mean i do think it's a crime that needs to be investigated it's it's bad that this happened but uh, if we're going to get into like pulling a film because off, i mean i thought off. our thought our whole thing was no censorship that we lived i mean we're, we're yeah. this is by we're it's a film about a dictator who censors everything they do in that country his people and then our, us who have no censorship right. are censoring uh, ourselves because to. of the threat of a dictator who censors? Who censors it everything? Make any sense? It's hilarious. It's, the irony, yeah, is unmistakable and just you know like unavoidable to look at it. Like wow, 
wow, we really done. It's not like, oh, it's a limited release now. You know, it's like, no, you don't get no, to see this it. movie. Yeah, you're not going to get to Is see it. Is it going to be on VOD or Maybe eventually. I, have, I don't know. I yeah, don't, know. don't know. Probably eventually it will be. Then maybe they'll put it out as a download on iTunes. You pay eight bucks and you get to watch it or whatever. But it's a very strange place to be. And uh, a lot of people posted their opinions about it on Twitter. Yeah, we were going to read a couple of them because they're pretty funny. Yeah, Pat Oswalt and, you know, people are, it's all basically the same sentiment of like, you know, people are appalled. People are definitely And let down. People are like, what? No, no. That is. uh, Here's Pat Oswalt on Twitter. All joking aside, we just gave a comfy foothold to censorship and it doesn't get any better from this point on. Hashtag the interview. Ben Stiller says, really hard to believe this is the response to a threat to freedom of expression here in America. Yeah. See, he, re- he re- uh, worded it exactly. Exactly. It's like the threat of uh, censorship is to censor. Like, that's no. the answer to the threat of yeah, censorship. Yeah, no, exactly. Quick, censor everything. Censor everything. They don't know what to do, though. Listen to this yeah. one, Michael Moore. This is hilarious. Dear Sony hackers, now that you run Hollywood, I'd also like less romantic comedies, fewer Michael Bay movies, and no more Transformers. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do we get a say now? Can we call the hackers and just have them, like, you know, make executive decisions here? I guess so. Well, listen to Bill Maher. He says, is that all it takes? An anonymous threat and numbers 911 to throw free expression under the bus? Hashtag Pussy Nation. Even Rob Lowe weighs in and says... Wow, everyone caved, the hackers won, and utter and complete victory for them. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's it's across the board. There's a lot of outrage yeah. on, on Twitter about Yeah, it's this still, like, it's a comedy spoof. It's a freaking Seth Rogen, James Franco, bromantic comedy. Well, it's funny that they're at the center of it's something hilarious. so serious. Yeah. When the movie, frankly, looks pretty stupid. It looks like a freaking... dumb movie. It just looks like they took that same thing from tropic pineapple express and just put yeah, it in a spy movie well especially no especially pineapple express because it's just like this buddy comedy yeah instead of weed they're killing you know they're killing yeah it's basically essentially more or less the same thing right you know so it's like it's a seth rogan movie yeah. it's not a documentary revealing no. <laughs> you know the freaking prison camps of north korea no you know and you know it's not and, a ron howard film yeah or, or a steven spielberg film or a, or even a michael moore documentary yeah. where it's like there's Showing the inside or Vice. of Vice, it's not a Vice episode. Yeah. The Vice They're episode the ones got aired. Who, yeah, they got aired. They aired that on HBO. Yeah, it, it still runs, and it shows you how fucking insane that country is. Yeah, and just all the real footage they have. Nobody seemed to give a shit. No about one that. seemed to give a shit about that. Well, and that's what makes me think that this has nothing to do with North Korea. Yeah, I, I, I really think it's don't an inside it thing where they're like, pull this shit because we were, we're hacked in. We're going to reveal probably very sensitive you think information. Them with like really more sensitive information being hacked. And that's why they're pulling it. Like, is that what you're. Well, have thinking? remember, remember Ed TV. Yeah. Remember the end of it. Oh yeah. That's a great ending. That's I feel <laughs> like. And Ellen's like yeah. calls up and says, I've got something yeah. better than anyone else. Yeah. And they pull him And they pull there. it. And Rob Reiner plays the Holy executive. Holy shit. That's great. I feel like that's probably what's going on here. If you haven't seen Ed TV, you should watch it's it. It's a really good film from the nineties. And it's a really good analogy to what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also way before it's time. And I feel like that might be what we have going on here right now. It's not freaking Kim Jong-un with his finger on the pulse. It's fucking. No, it's an executive who's pumping his penis. Yeah. With the- <laughs> 
like got his penis cut off by a Thai hooker and they have pictures and yeah. they're going to leak them. And so we're pulling the interview. Wow. That's how that works. I, I would, well, that seems, you heard it here first, yeah, folks. I think that's way more that realistic. That's a theory that uh, might be true. I think so. It's the Ed TV theory. Yeah. The Ed mm. TV theory. I like it. The Ed TV theory for uh, Sony hackers. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up on that note and wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Yeah, this is a Merry Christmas. Up. Next week, a week from today, will be sunny Christmas time in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sunny and bright and beachside Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. Wherever you're spending Christmas, have a safe, happy, healthy one and uh, we'll uh, be back soon with some more we'll back cool soon stuff to talk about. With some cool presents to talk about. We hope you all get our presents we sent you. And I hope you listen to the Puzzle Zoo podcast where we talk about some fun fun stuff for, stuff Christmas. for Christmas. Check yeah, that out. Check that out. And uh, you might see a little cameo in that one too. That you might be surprised. <laughs> a fun of, cameo. A fun cameo in that episode. Yeah. So yeah, have a good ha- uh, Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's Kwanzaa. and Kwanzaa and taking the box. Whatever Scientology celebrates this time of year, <laughs> the landing of Zenu or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So this has been the Herald Modcast, another edition. See ya. See you later, jerks. Thank you.